1: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
2: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in The Matrix. As always, joined by producer Justin and the specialist cast of dozens that help us put on this show. And joined on screen here, as always, by my pal Michael F. Florio. And uh, I guess it was sort of a mixed week for you. Like, a lot of your calls went right, but your your football team went sideways. So I don't know how are you feeling on this Monday.
1: <laughs> for for fantasy purposes, I'm feeling really good. Uh, it, it was a fun week, one of the more fun weeks I've had this season. But yeah, man, the Bills just can't seem to get out of their way. Uh, I, I still believe in them, but... Man, I thought they were going to be a powerhouse this year and they've been anything but. Well, now
2: they wake up on Monday morning and they're staring up at the Patriots. It's like, it's like Groundhog
1: Day again, right? Like, I, <laughs> I hate this so much. I would rather it be the Jets or or the Dolphins or any team ahead of the bill. It's the Patriots. This this feels like the last two decades of my life.
2: I mean, really, it, it just, it, it never seems to end. It's like the Patriots took a sabbatical and now they're back again. Um. If it makes you feel any better, I think most of the football-watching nation sort of feels like the Bills, too. Like, really? (laughs) We're doing this again? Ugh, whatever uh big show for you as we always have on this monday a few of the things we will touch on is justin jefferson a first round pick in your 2022 drafts we're taking some of your trade dilemmas because the trade deadline is coming this week in a lot of nfl.com leagues and as always we will have a monday night preview for you uh tonight it is the giants heading down to tampa to take on the buccaneers but Let's get started, as we always do, with some fantasy headlines. And we'll start with the Chicago quarterbacking situation. Justin Fields left Sunday's game against the Ravens with a rib injury. Now, right now, they are saying uh, it looks like bruised ribs. I don't believe there's anything broken. At least those are the early reports. Uh, But there are some questions as to whether he is going to be good to go for the Bears game on Thursday against the Detroit Lions. That's on Thanksgiving. So if it is indeed Andy Dalton going against the Lions I mean Florio on paper it is a very good matchup would you dare start Andy Dalton or at least at least put him in a DFS lineup
1: I think he could be used in a DFS lineup especially if you're playing like a a showdown or something like that on Thanksgiving Uh, I think in seasonal leagues two quarterback formats for sure you could get him in there in one quarterback leagues I would only do it if you're desperate like Maybe your waiver wire is really thin and you need a Kyler or a Patrick Mahomes replacement. Maybe you've been riding with Justin Fields. I don't know. If you're going a little bit deeper, sure. But in a traditional like 10 or 12 team league, I, I, I would stay far away from him in a one quarterback format.
2: All right. So you mentioned the, the bye weeks so with Kyler Murray out and Patrick Mahomes out this week. Uh, let's just just hypothetical, right? Let's say you've been rolling with Russell Wilson, who has not been good the last couple of weeks. I know he's a Monday night game. Would you pivot to Andy Dalton over Russ?
1: I, I, I can't, only because <laughs> Russ has a really good matchup in his own right, too, against Washington. So I still think Russ... Uh, I'm hoping maybe this you know extra week, extra day he gets helps his finger a little bit. I don't know. Seattle just looks off right now, but I, I would still play Russ over feel, uh, over uh, Dalton. But man, that says a lot about Russ that it's even a question,
2: <laughs> right? The fact that we're even discussing this uh, tells you kind of where Russell Wilson is right now. Also, let's get a side note on this, and I, I know Allen Robinson didn't play on Sunday against Baltimore. We'll see what his status is for Thursday. But and you've pointed this out. A-Rob's best games this year have come with Andy Dalton at quarterback. So if he is healthy and ready to go, does that give you a little renewed faith? Like I'm not expecting him to suddenly be the Allen Robinson of past years, but would you maybe put him in a
1: flex spot if he can go this week? I think so. Someone tweeted me this morning and said, like, with it looking like it could be Dalton, is it time to pick up uh, Allen Robinson again? And I said, yeah, because also, if you remembered last week before he got injured, Allen Robinson looked his best with Justin Fields. He had that long, deep catch on the sideline on Monday night against, the, or that was two weeks ago. Uh, but he looked good in that game. And it looked like we were starting to think, like, the Bears and Fields were figuring it out. So... While I did drop Allen Robinson in, in a couple of leagues already this year, if he's out there on the waiver wire, I would be picking him up again this week.
2: Man, you know, what is old is new again. So we'll see <laughs> We'll see uh, if he comes back into our fantasy lives. Uh, possibly leaving our fantasy lives, at least for the short term. Well, we know for sure uh, Amari Cooper is going to be out. He missed uh, yesterday's game against Kansas City after being placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. He will not be available for the Thanksgiving Day game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Now added concerns, though, for the Cowboys because C.D. Lamb left Sunday's game with a concussion. So we will monitor him, but there's a good chance that he may not be able to get through the protocol in time to play on Thursday. So uh, kind of a simple question. Does this make Michael Gallup a must start against Vegas?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, C.D. Lamb, I, I you know he's one of my favorite receivers in the league. Thanksgiving would have been more fun with him, but four days is such a quick turnaround. I'm not expecting to see him out there. And that means Michael Gallup, by default, is the Cowboys wide receiver one. And I know he didn't have a great game, against the Kansas City Chiefs, five catches, 44 yards. Pretty safe floor of around nine fantasy points, but he did have 10 targets. We saw them take some downfield shots with Gallup. We saw them take a end zone shot with him. He drew a pass interference in the end zone too. So while he didn't do a whole lot that comes out on the box score and gives you fantasy points. The usage was exactly what we want to see for Michael Gallup. So I have him in a couple of leagues, Marcus, and I already know like I'm going to start him everywhere I have him.
2: I probably am going to be starting him in some spots too. I mean, yesterday was just kind of a mess for the Cowboys offensively. They, they couldn't figure it out, scored just nine points. Uh, in the loss to kansas city credit the, the chiefs defense though because they've actually been playing better uh, over the yeah. last few weeks and i know we're going to get to waiver wire a little bit later and i i have a sneaking feeling there will be at least one other cowboy receivers name who pops up uh, on your list of waiver wire options uh, heading into week 12. um I guess news uh, in a positive way here, a couple of running backs just had monster games on Sunday. And uh, a couple of guys who are favorites of uh, Florio here. One, Jonathan Taylor, the huge day, over 200 total scrimmage yards, five touchdowns. One, two, three, four, five, five touchdowns for Jonathan Taylor. He got you 50-plus fantasy points 13th player in NFL history with a five-touchdown game. But then, uh, not to be outdone, Austin Eckler in Sunday night football. The, Ch- uh, the Chargers rather uh, have to rally and they hang on to beat the Steelers. Austin Eckler with four touchdowns, two rushing, two receiving. The yardage uh, just over 100 scrimmage yards for him in that one. Uh, I mean, I don't really know what to say about it other than if you have one of these guys, you seem like you're on a pretty good path to victory this week.
1: Yeah, I, I tweeted it out yesterday, like, who had both of these players? And there was people out there who had both. There was one person I felt so bad for. They had both of these players and were still losing. I don't Ooh. know how that is possible. They combined for 95 fantasy points, Marcus. And I, I know Jonathan Taylor did it against my bills, but I was still very much so enjoying it. And then last night when Austin Eckler was doing it, that one was even a little sweeter for me because the thing is, For two years now, people have been saying Austin Eckler cannot be a goal line runner. And I kept saying there's a difference between can't do it and not being asked to do it. And I think that, that that is what we're kind of seeing Eckler prove this year that like he can do it. They call him pound for pound for a reason. So these two guys top two RBs on the week and on the year right now.
2: I mean Austin Eckler, one of the strongest players in the NFL, which is where that nickname comes from. He's been great, uh, you know, especially with the, after he's gotten healthy again. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is is just incredible. We'll, we'll talk some more about him a little bit later. But by the way, the, the Colts, are doing their part to try to get us to watch in season hard knocks uh <laughs> I, I mean i haven't yet i you know it's it's on the list of things um but you know they, they they uh you know they won what three in a row now they won what five of their last six uh now you get jonathan taylor with the huge game so uh i don't know have you watched have you watched the in season hard knocks yet
1: Not yet. I will watch it tonight. Tuesday, like Monday night is the night after the game that I I have some ability to watch some TV. So probably each week I'll watch Hard Knocks on Monday night, be a little bit late. But I'm already guessing. I haven't seen a single minute of it. But I'm going to guess the takeaway from this in-season Hard Knocks is that Jonathan Taylor comes away as like a huge star. And I think Michael Pittman Jr. might as well.
2: He probably will too. And then, you know, we'll have some Carson Wentz storylines in there somewhere too. Uh, I mean the you know, baby. Right, he, sure. he just had, a, he just had did, a child. So, Did he uh, have his kid? Yes, uh, I believe he is, he's a girl dad. Um, congrats and to the Wentz's. Yeah, so congrats to, to Carson Wentz and his wife there. Uh, best of luck. On, I guess it's their second child, so they kind of know. They've been down this road before, so welcome back, I guess. Welcome back to Team No Sleep. <laughs> uh, enjoy it. Uh, all right, time for things we learned where we talk about some of the things we took away from what we saw during the week. Uh, for you, what is top of mind right now?
1: I think Brandon Ayuk is back, Marcus. And I know Brandon Ayuk is someone that you loved coming into the year. And early on, I mean, we were baffled. We were like, this makes no sense. We saw this guy play as a wide receiver one last year. Why are they getting away from him? Well, the last month, they really haven't. Seven or more targets in three of the last four games. Yesterday, he led them in targets, catches, receiving yards. He scored a receiving touchdown. He now has double-digit fantasy points in three of the last four games and over 18 in two of his last three. So while I know it was a little rocky early on, uh, Brandon Ayuk, and he is still out there in a couple, in a good amount of NFL.com leagues. Grab him if he is still out there because I think he could have a big second half of his season like last year, especially since they're using Debo Samuel more and more as a running back, leading to uh, more routes or more plays where Ayuk is the default wide receiver one.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's that he finally worked his way out of the doghouse i don't know if it's that the niners just needed to find other options to, to throw the football to whatever it is he's back and you talk about him being available i think it's because he was so bad for such as so much of the season that a lot of people gave up on him and as teams have fallen out of contention in fantasy uh the rush to add him off the waiver wire has lessened but he's out there and he is playing some really good football uh i'm gonna go the other way and i'm gonna go back to thursday night but it's over for Mike Davis. I mean, that that's it. This was the week that I wanted to see something. And I didn't even need Mike Davis to have a huge game. I just wanted him to show signs of life. Cordero Patterson was out. Uh, it looked like he had the opportunity to be the number one running back. And that was not the case. In fact, not only was he not the number one running back, uh, I'm not even sure he was their number two running back in atlanta i mean he had fewer carries than quadri allison he had fewer rushing yards than keith smith he had fewer rushing yards than keith smith keith smith had eight rushing yards mike davis had three (laughs) carries for one yard uh he had four targets he had caught three of them for 20 yards but it's it's officially done now for him there's no reason to hold on to him on your rosters if if in what was a tailor-made situation for him to get a lot of work he still was struggling to get any opportunities Uh, I don't think there's any justification. I don't care how many teams your league is. uh, There's just no reason to have Mike Davis at this point. It's done. It's a wrap.
1: We heard two weeks ago that they were using Wayne Gallman because it was a blowout and they wanted to save Mike Davis for the short week only for them to call up (laughs) Quadri Allison off the practice squad and use him. Uh, And it's time to pour one out for Mike Davis figuratively because I don't want to actually wet all my life.
2: (laughs) Smart. Uh, So, so, yeah, that, uh, you know, It's been frustrating for him. Uh, It's been frustrating for us. And now I think it's time for us to safely say goodbye. Speaking of saying goodbye, we're going to do that at least temporarily. Time for a break. Coming up, is the race to be the top overall pick in 2022 already over? We'll discuss that next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring...
2: Taking a look at some of the top performers for Week 11. Obviously still one more game to go. But uh, Jalen Hurts, your QB3 with 30.78 fantasy points. Cam Newton uh, made his return to Bank of America Stadium down in Charlotte. Put up 26 points. That was good for QB4. Jonathan Taylor, we talked about his huge day. 53.4 points. He was the RB1. RB2, Austin Eckler with 41.5. Devontae Freeman, uh, a top 10 running back with 20 points. Justin Jefferson, your top scoring Wide receiver at 37.2. Uh, Elijah Moore, your wide receiver three, with just under 30 points. Darnell Mooney, your wide receiver four, at 23.1. Talk about Brandon Ayuk, He got 21 and a half points. That was good for wide receiver eight. And Zach Ertz, your tight end one, just uh, nearly 29 fantasy points for him. But uh, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor a little bit more because why wouldn't we after what he did on Sunday? Uh, right now, he is your top scoring running back. Uh, you know, in part because Derrick Henry, unfortunately, is out for the rest of the year. But let's spin this ahead to twenty twenty two. Has he locked up being the number one overall pick for next season?
1: Uh, I think he's done as much as you can to lock it up. Without, I, I don't know if anyone right now could lock it up because people are always going to have you know different opinions but I I, for me at least he has like he's young he's shown us that he is awesome he's getting better as a pass catcher he's got a great O-line around him other young playmakers in this offense so I, I don't see what the negative is for Jonathan Taylor right now where I can see the negative for other pieces but I do think You'll hear a case for Derrick Henry. I think you'll hear a case for Christian McCaffrey, who I still might make the cases, maybe not the RB one, but the safest bet to get twenty-five fantasy points every week. Um, so I I think there'll be cases to be made for other running backs, but for me, he is locked up the RB1 spot heading into next season.
2: Yeah, I think the only other player that I can make a legitimate case for right now is probably Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I I think uh, as much as I think Christian McCaffrey is such a solid option the last two seasons with these lingering nagging injuries has me a little bit nervous same could be said for Saquon Barkley uh, Dalvin Cook has been hurt at times this year has sort of underperformed so for me it's it's right now a race between Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry uh, the good news is we're going to we're going to argue about this all offseason long so uh, if you're sick of this argument already, good luck to you because uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, plus, you know, look, we still have a few more weeks too, right? Jonathan Taylor still has uh, some more time to kind of you know, put his stamp on this thing. Uh, and we'll see how it ends up when uh, when the season is all said and done. Uh, Justin Jefferson, another big game for him continuing to, to have what is a very great season. He right now is your wide receiver five. Uh But with what he is doing uh, and and how great he has been consistently, are we going to be talking about him as a first-round pick
1: next year? I don't think so. I think he'll be an early second-round pick because the first round is just littered with so many running backs. Like, that it – Are we going to see multiple receivers? And even if we do, like, I think Cooper Cup and I'll even make the – I think Tyreek Hill, like, they deserve to be the top two wide receivers. They're the top two on the year. Uh, They've been pretty consistent in their careers, especially Tyreek Hill. So – I I think people will take him over. And then the other two receivers ahead of Jefferson are Debo Samuel, who I'm not convinced people are going to take over Justin Jefferson next year, and Devontae Adams, who has a lot up in the air. He could go to a different team. Who is going to be his quarterback? So that'll determine that. He could still go over Jefferson. But then after, you know, like those three receivers – I think Jefferson and and Jamar Chase are in the discussion to be the next two off the board, but I don't think we see like three or four receivers go in the first round. So that's the only reason why I think he's an early second round pick.
2: I, I... I think you're right. I do see a, a situation where you have people sort of at the turn, right? You know, if, you, if you're 11 or 12, maybe you try to shoehorn Jefferson in there. But I think consensus will probably put him in the second round. Uh, I think you're right about Devontae Adams. We just don't know what his situation is going to be. Where will Aaron Rodgers be? Uh, where will Devontae be? Who, you know, who's he catching passes from? That's going to impact Uh, where he gets drafted and as much as we've all enjoyed watching Debo Samuel this does feel a little bit like an anomaly like you know like he's been amazing this year it seems like it's going to be hard to duplicate and so I think that's going to keep him out of the first round Uh, side note will we see any tight ends in the first round like Travis Kelsey's been okay but he hasn't been spectacular Uh, do all the tight ends fall out of the first round after this year
1: I I think the only one that has an argument to be in the first round is Travis Kelsey. Cause this is even in a down year, this is going to be his sixth straight season as the tight end one. He's still going to have Patrick Mahomes there, but he's getting up there in age a little bit. Uh, I also, I don't think he gets in the first round, but I think Kyle Pitts is going to go very, very high next
2: year. Kyle Pitts is going to go very, very high this year. It's, it's interesting too, because, and I, I know we didn't plan on having a tight end conversation, but here we are. Uh, Kyle Pitts right now is your tight end eight. Um, he's been good uh, I don't know what to make of him. Like he's he's having a good season. He just has the one touchdown, but six hundred thirty-five receiving yards. I mean, he's on pace to get over a thousand yards this year. Um, you know, I think he's been good. I think he's about what I anticipated for him, but I do think he he gets drafted very high next year. That's all he, I. Can, that's all I have to say about it.
1: He hasn't lived up to the ex, the year one expectations, but he has, in my opinion, at least shown us enough and especially in the highs like it's some of the plays he makes some of the big games he's had that I, I know people are just gonna they're gonna get sucked in again I'm gonna be one of them Marcus I guarantee <laughs> you.
2: I mean look I I came in saying he was gonna be the tight end eight that's where he is right now I didn't expect some of the names currently ahead of him to be ahead of him like I didn't think Hunter Henry or Mike Gasicki would necessarily be or Zach Ertz would necessarily be there um but you know uh the the end result right now is about what i expected even if the process to get there hasn't been uh, what i thought it would be uh, all right over now to i'm salty where we talk about the guys who sort of broke our hearts in week 11 and uh there's a definite theme <laughs> with i'm salty this week uh, we seem to be drawing our or, or sending our ire toward one particular team so who are you displeased with right now
1: The combination that is Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown. I had them as my favorite stack of the week. I was building DFS lineups around these two. And then Ryan Tannehill gave me single-digit fantasy points, his worst game of the year against the Houston Texans. And A.J. Brown didn't do a whole lot either. And the thing is, this isn't just a one-week thing with these two. Like, Ryan Tannehill coming into the year... Average 21 fantasy points in his career as a Titan starter would routinely give you around 19-20 fantasy points. That has not been the case. He's topped 20 fantasy points twice this year. And even when he, like the last couple of weeks, he gave us solid numbers. It was because he had a rushing touchdown. And then AJ Brown, single digits in three straight weeks. I mean... He and his since week two, Marcus. He has three games in double-digit fantasy points and six in single digits. AJ Brown is someone that I thought had the upside of being a top five or even the overall wide receiver one, and he has been a big letdown. He's an awesome dude. I root for him, but for fantasy purposes. He is, this is becoming a trend now. These two are, are becoming harder and harder to trust.
2: He was my dark horse to be the wide receiver one at the end of the year. That was before they got Julio Jones. I, I sort of downgraded him, but I still thought, you know, top 10 was certainly uh, in the cards for him, and, and it hasn't really been close. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it in Tennessee, and you know, like I, I don't know how producer Justin feels about this. I don't know if he is endorsing this. If he uh is he's is putting on right his, now. he's putting on his earmuffs while we do this segment. But uh, Deontay Foreman, um, look, I kept saying this. Nobody is going to replace Derrick Henry, but it looked like Foreman was on track to kind of take over the lead running back spot for the time being. Adrian Peterson had been underwhelming. Uh, on top of it, it was a revenge game against the Houston Texans. And somehow, Foreman plays the fewest snaps of any Titans running back. 14 snaps for Deontay Foreman. Adrian Peterson had 15. Dontrell Hilliard is the answer to the question this week. He had 50 snaps for the Tennessee Titans in the backfield. I don't know what happened. I don't know why this happened. Foreman ended up with seven carries for 25 yards. Uh, He did have one target. He caught that for 15 yards. So he gave you 40 yards of offense. I, I didn't see this. None of us saw this coming. I feel like a lot of people were on the Deontay Foreman train. Uh, I think I gave him some love in the hype train on Fantasy Live, and, and it just was a complete head scratcher in this one. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even really know what to say about it other than this one baffled me, and uh, I'm disappointed and I'm salty. That's all I got.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean,. Foreman, Peterson, all of these Titans running backs. It's like, how can you trust any of them? And, and I know this is game script dependent. They were trailing, that's why they had to throw the ball so much, and that's why we saw Hilliard use. But is he now the the, the running back to to roster there? <laughs> is McNichol's going to play that role when he comes back? To me, this is this is a fantasy mess right now. Yeah, it's it's starting to become an
2: offense that's it's, it's hard to figure out right now, and that's that's the last place we want to be, especially. Uh, when you're starting to gear up for your fantasy playoff run. So uh, hopefully we get some more clarity. um,
1: Do you think Derrick Henry's MVP chances are increasing with each game that he misses?
2: (laughs) Might be, right? As the Titans kind of struggle to figure out offense a little bit and Derrick Henry's sitting on the side, you know, trying to get healthy. um, You know, maybe. And, uh, you know, for the Titans' sake, you know, obviously they they still have a shot at the playoffs and there's a chance that Henry could come back. So for at least their postseason hopes, uh, you know, there's still something to to kind of look forward to. For us in fantasy, though, it's it's kind of a wash at this point. Hey, it's part of the show where I tell you to follow us on TikTok at NFL Fantasy. You can uh, get all your entertainment and information fantasy-wise from us there. Uh, it's a good time. It's, you know, it's a time suck. That's what social media is. But uh, if you're going to do it, come <laughs> hang out with us. You can also hang out with me uh, at Marcus Grant on TikTok uh, I'm, I'm cooking up some ideas. Maybe there'll be something new coming up. That's a tease to get you to go and look at my account and stuff. Go go, follow Marcus. Go, please, please. That'd be great. I would <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, all right. That's enough TikTok talk. TikTok talk. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> the uh, the trade deadline for NFL.com Standard Leagues is coming up this Friday. So this is your last chance to uh, try and make some swaps to see if you can bol- bolster your roster for a postseason run. So we got a couple of guys that you may want to target to trade for a couple of guys you might want to think about trading away. So uh, if you are looking for somebody to pick up to add to your roster for the stretch run, uh, who would it be?
1: It would be Jerry Judy. And and last week on Fantasy Live, I talked about five trade targets. Justin Herbert and A.J. Brown were my top two. But they this week changed things a little bit for them. Jerry Judy was number three. He was on buy. I think people might, you know, they might forget, not about Jerry Judy, but the fact that Since he's returned, he hasn't had a monstrous game yet, a big game. People might just be thinking that Jerry Judy's okay. He's a solid flex option or something like that. I think his upside is a lot higher. I think the fact that he's getting all the volume is what we want to see. I think the fantasy production will come, especially now a week after the buy. Just more time for him to get uh re-acclimated in this offense. So I, I really like Jerry Judy as a trade target. He is clearly their number one target when he is healthy. So I'm looking to go out and get him. And he has a very favorable schedule the rest of the way.
2: I mean, he has been the reason you've said repeatedly that Cortland Sutton looks sort of droppable just because when Judy is there... Uh, there's really not enough volume for anybody else in that offense. Uh, I'm going to stay, though, in Denver and say Melvin Gordon is a guy that that you want to target. And we've talked about him the last few weeks on this show in terms of what it means for Javante Williams. The fact that even though Williams is playing well, Gordon is doing enough to hang on to the job and get those opportunities, especially down near the goal line. So if that's the case, sounds like a guy you might want on your roster he's going to get those touches he's continuing to run hard he's continuing to be productive and he's scoring touchdowns Uh, see 10 or more touches in all 10 games this season he is getting those looks and look just as easily you could probably make this same case for Javante Williams even though he doesn't seem to have the touchdown upside but there are some really nice games left on the schedule you know he's going to get the volume and on top of it it may not cost you a king's ransom uh, in terms of what you have to give up to get a guy like Melvin Gordon. Right now, running backs are at a premium. So uh, if there's a team with Melvin Gordon in your league that isn't really going anywhere, now's the time to, to put something together and see if maybe you can uh, just get that second running back to kind of help you through the postseason. Would be a good job. Uh, on the other side, guys that uh, you might want to get rid of, who's on that list for you?
1: I know this sounds kind of crazy because he leads, or at least he led the NFL coming into this week in touchdowns, but it's James Conner. I know he's got 13 touchdowns on the year, but he has been very touchdown dependent until lately when I know he's still on a crazy scoring streak right now, but he's been getting more usage as a pass catcher. Uh, He has 13 catches in the last three games. He had five though, up until that point. And after the Cardinals buy next week, Chase Edmonds is eligible to return. I believe they're going to have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins back. So, my fear is that James Conner is going to go back into a role like he was in early on in the year. Maybe he gets more usage on the ground, but I don't think the Cardinals are going to get shy away from using Chase Edmonds as their pass catcher. I think at full health, they like having uh, him in that role and Conner in the role that he was playing. So I think right now, while the perception is that James Conner is an RB1 who's going to score double digit, t- uh, two t- multiple touchdowns each week, then, then you, I think you could trade him potentially for like a wide receiver one or something like that. So I, I would definitely be entertaining the option of selling James Conner.
2: Cliff Kingsbury has been very consistent about kind of instituting a 60-40 split with his running backs. And when Chase Edmonds was healthy, he was more on the 60s side of that, which does make Connor a little bit more touchdown dependent. It's been great so far. It's a hard way to live. Um, I will say this: so, in in the interest of full disclosure, originally my name here was Joe Mixon, and then he went out and you know had a huge game against the Raiders. Uh, and you know, I was like, eh, I still think there's a, a a scenario where you can sort of trade Joe Mixon away, but I think the guy that might be a better option to sort of move on from is Miles Sanders because. On paper, at least, he is going to be the number one running back in Philadelphia. But you know, Jordan Howard is still there. Boston Scott is still getting opportunities. The schedule is not particularly great, even though the Eagles have become a lot more run heavy. Sanders being back in the mix does make this a little bit more of a muddled situation. Uh, it, it, I think, he's the sort of he's got enough name cachet, enough opportunity that. You can sort of put him out there in a trade and look to get something decent back in return. But I think if you're trying to roll with Miles Sanders and start him on a week-to-week basis, it's just going to be really, really hard. And I, I I, come back to what I said all offseason, that we love Miles Sanders, but I don't think the Eagles love Miles Sanders in the same sort of way. Uh, and they just keep showing it by the guys they bring in, by how they use their other running backs Uh, He's just never going to be the workhorse in Philadelphia that I think we want him to be. So uh, this seems like a good opportunity to try and flip Miles Sanders for something else uh, and see if you can maybe strengthen some other parts of your roster to help you get into the postseason. so, uh, so those are our our targets to trade for and trade away. We know that you out there have trade questions, so uh, we decided to pull a few of them from Twitter.com and uh, see if we can answer them as best as possible. So uh, we'll start with this one from Brandon, Brandon Swayze. I don't know if he's any relation to Patrick. Uh, he asks, Javonte Williams for Alex Collins and Rashad Bateman, feel weird flexing Mike Williams lately? Full disclosure, uh, he sent this before the Sunday night game where Mike Williams ended up you know, having a pretty nice night. So I don't know if he still feels weird about flexing Mike Williams, but uh, the question remains. Javonte Williams for Alex Collins and Rashad Bateman. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down from you, Florio?
1: I would give this a thumbs down you know i like rashad bateman but to me i feel like if you have to decide each week between him and mike williams that's going to be a headache and i feel like alex collins is a big downgrade to javante williams i just really don't like alex collins as a fantasy piece whereas as much as i agree with you marcus i like melvin gordon a lot i think there's still a little bit of upside there with javante that maybe they get him a little bit more usage after the buy or something like that and he's played well like god forbid melvin gordon got hurt his ceiling then is a lot higher than Alex Collins, who is playing at his ceiling now. So I would hold on to Williams.
2: Uh, I would agree with you, just because you know the the giving up Javante Williams and getting Alex Collins back in in exchange feels like a big loss there. Um, and as much as I like Rashad Bateman, I you know I'm, I'm sort of with you on trying to figure him out week to week. So I would much rather have Javante Williams in that situation, and maybe he's the guy you flex if you're worried about. Uh, Mike Williams that you, you flex you flex Javante Williams over Mike Williams uh, and maybe that helps you out a little bit better I'd also be curious to know who the who your other running backs are uh, that you're willing to sort of make this deal there but uh, that that seems like two two nos uh, on that one Brandon uh, next one from Dustin Dustin Payne who asks, Antonio Gibson for Mike Evans half point PPR don't know if I should let Gibson go have CMC and J Rob uh, wide receivers are Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown with cooks on the bench I mean my immediate response is I would hold on to Gibson just because you already seen pretty kind of loaded at wide receiver
1: yeah that is my like on its head I was like yeah I think Mike Evans Gibson for Mike Evans is a good trade but then I realized like you have three good receivers, and then if you give up Gibson, what is your RB depth looking like? And I like having at least a solid RB that I know, like, hey, especially with Christian McCaffrey and James Robinson as my starters, those two have been banged up as of late. Uh, so is Gibson, so I feel like you need the RB depth there.
2: I, yeah, I would completely agree. So uh, I would hold on. Hold on. So far, it's, that's two no's <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> on these trade options. Uh, all right. Third question comes from Jack. Should I offer James Conner for DJ Moore or Terry McLaurin or hold James Conner? Uh, well, you you sort of answered that, right? You just said James Conner seems like a trade away option. So uh, I guess the only other question is, do you want DJ Moore or Terry McLaurin?
1: I want Terry McLaurin. He is my guy. He showed us yesterday the upside that he has. I I would even say before accepting this trade, I might even shop Connor a little bit longer to see if I can get maybe an even better receiver. But if I have to choose between these two, it's Terry McLaurin for me. That's, yeah, that's
2: an easy call for me too. I would definitely go McLaurin. Um, You know, and a lot of the reasons that we talked about with James Connor, Chase Edmonds coming back, with New Hopkins and Kyler Murray coming back, that seems to lessen his opportunity. So, Uh, This feels like a sell-high sort of opportunity with Connor, and uh, if McLaurin is one of the names on the table, uh, that's the one I'm taking there. Uh, All right, last one here. This one from... Who are you fooling? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He asks, AJ Dillon for Terry McLaurin, or AJ Dillon for JD McKissick and Elijah Moore? This is interesting.
1: This is a good question. As much as I like Elijah Moore here, uh, I'm going to do it for Terry McLaurin, and AJ Dillon is a really good running back, but i am anticipating that we get aaron jones back after this week uh, when the packers uh they play this week then they have a bye so i think we're gonna see after that bye we're gonna see a lot of aaron jones again in our lives so because of that i would take the the potential wide receiver one in terry mclaurin
2: i think that's that's probably the, the move there um i know elijah moore has been hot the last couple of weeks uh and there's probably a lot more opportunity for him there but uh if you're asking me to choose between the washington offense and the jets offense i'm gonna take Washington. Um, you know, and as much as I liked J.D. McKissick, uh, you know, it, it seems like Antonio Gibson is starting to get some more touches and some more opportunities there. So you know, maybe, maybe his value is starting to, to shrink as well. Whereas we know Terry McLaurin is going to continue to eat because they still need a second pass catcher um they, they just don't have one it, it's become just, a lost season for curtis samuel so they need somebody to throw the football to and that's that's who it I, is i
1: dream of the day marcus where terry mclaurin gets consistent quarterback play.
2: that's all i want for him i you know i saw uh you know mina kimes uh tweeted about terry mclaurin and and how she wished he could get a legitimate quarterback and the only yeah. thought that ran through my head is will he be Allen robinson 2.0 like i hope not
1: <laughs> like i hope not. Man. Let's get Russell Wilson and Terry McLaurin on like the same team together or something like that. That would be amazing. I am down for that. That would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. So so
2: best of luck to all of you uh, who are looking to make some trades or who have some trade offers sitting on the table. Again, the NFL.com trade deadline is on Friday. So uh, one last chance to sort of put some offers together uh, and see what you can get together for your stretch run. Time for a break. But after that, we're diving into the week 12 waiver wire, including a couple of throwback fantasy names who have some renewal nude relevance find out who they are when the nfl fantasy football show returns
0: you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you let's take a look at michael f florio's Welk
2: week 12 waiver wire targets uh take us through your list for the week
1: Yeah, Cam Newton is still available in over half of NFL.com leagues. That needs to change. He was a top-scoring quarterback this week and gets a great matchup next week. Tua and Tyrod Taylor are two other options I think could be picked up as streaming options, especially Taylor for this week against the Jets. Devonta Freeman was still the Ravens' lead back, even with Latavius Murray back. Then you see... Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman there. That's because Michael Carter exited with an ankle injury. It's potentially a week where those two could be the lead back for the Jets. Hilliard there just because of all the volume he saw. And then David Johnson and Rex Burkhead each had double-digit touches this week, and they get the best matchup for running backs against the Jets. And Jeff Wilson Jr., just because of the volume he saw. I think he's worth the rostering with the bench spot there. And then looking at some receivers, Elijah Moore. I mean, this guy just keeps going off right now. Darnell Mooney had 16 targets. I know... Allen Robinson was out, but volume like that cannot be ignored. If those two are still available in your league, uh, which they are in over half of NFL.com leagues. I think you need to get them. A uh, Small text here for Marquez Valdez-Scantling <laughs> and Nick Westbrook-Akini. They both just keep getting volume, or at least they saw big volume this week, so take a shot on them. Cedric Wilson could be the Cowboys wide receiver two this week. And then some tight ends. Adam Troutman, I know it was against the Eagles, but he continues to see consistent volume. Austin Hooper has seen volume since Odell has left. And then Evan Ingram, I know he hasn't even played yet. It doesn't matter. He gets the Eagles next week. You stream tight ends against Philly uh
2: so a couple things <laughs> about your list one uh you talk about Michael Carter exiting with uh, an ankle injury I I completed a trade with our pal Matt Okada uh, where I got Michael Carter and then he immediately Ooh. gets hurt so that that sort of stinks uh also the all three of the tight ends you have on your waiver wire list uh just a sneak peek there if they are going to make it Into the sleepers column and the one that i'm worried the most about is evan ingram because i think at least twice maybe three times this year i have put him in the sleepers column and he has done absolutely nothing so i'm ready to get my my clown grease paint out again and paint my face like a clown when i again put evan ingram in the sleepers column and he inevitably gives
1: me nothing If if he does that again against the Eagles, I will never start him again.
2: That's it. This is this is this is the hard line we're taking, Evan Ingram. If you can't get it done against the Eagles, it is a wrap. That's it. Uh, all right. A um, couple names, though, worth talking here. Devonte Freeman. And you talked about the fact that he's still got a lot of work, even with Latavius Murray back and healthy. That's good news for Devonte Freeman. For those of us who maybe are stashing Latavius Murray or trying to use him as a flex.
1: Uh, does this mean we should be a little bit worried about him now? I think so. Like, Freeman played well in his absence, and my thinking was, all right, it'll still be a split, but Murray will take back, like, the heavy share of that. That wasn't the case, and what worries me even more is Devonta Freeman saw all of the tar. I mean, six targets yesterday in the passing game for Freeman. So I think Freeman is the lead back in Baltimore. I think Murray saw enough volume where you could continue to hold on to him, but I would not be starting him anytime soon until we see him take over that lead role again.
2: Yeah, the targets are definitely the big thing there, too, for Devontae Freeman. I mean, I would have said coming into the year that if I were going to pick a back, I think it'd be Devontae Freeman. It just seems like he still has a little more left uh, than Latavius Murray, and at least if yesterday is any indication— Uh, Maybe the Ravens start to think so, too. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, a big surprise in terms of his fantasy production yesterday against the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, look, there's not a lot in the Texans offense to get excited about. But this week, Tyrod has the Jets. You you talked about it in terms of Houston's running backs with David Johnson and Rex Burkhead. But uh, what about the quarterback? Is he worth uh, a start, maybe a, a DFS start against the Jets this week?
1: I think so, especially in DFS. Like, I'm not going to start him in a seasonal over, like, some uh, one of my studs or something like that. But if you're streaming, I think he's a strong streaming option because the Jets struggle mightily. Like, by far the worst team at stopping the run. Well, luckily, Tyrod Taylor can run, so maybe they use him more this week as an extension of the running game. He had the two rushing touchdowns this past week, uh, which we know... His rushing ability just gives him a pretty safe floor and uh, a higher ceiling in fantasy. So I like him as a streaming option this week.
2: All right, uh, Tyrod or Andy Dalton?
1: I would go with Taylor there.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd same. Again, the rushing upside is probably what makes the difference for me uh, in that one, even though both of them have pretty good matchups. All right, so if we're looking at Week 12 waivers and you have the top waiver priority or you still have a bunch of fab burning a hole in your fake pockets, uh, where are you going with it?
1: For me, the top ad is Elijah Moore. This guy has got do- six targets or more in five straight games, double digit fantasy points in each, and is twice now top 27. And he's done it with a, m- a revolving door of quarterbacks for the Jets. Four different quarterbacks he's caught passes for in this stretch. But Elijah Moore, I, I know you're going to talk about him as well, Marcus. If Elijah Moore is already rostered or you have, a, you know, maybe you don't have the top waiver wire priority, I think Darnell Mooney needs to be prioritized this week as well. 16 targets. He's consistently getting volume as of late. Him and Justin Fields have already shown a connection. So those two guys are my top targets this week. I, I do
2: like Mooney, especially because, you know, look, going back to preseason, he was every fantasy analyst's favorite sleeper wide receiver. And uh, it, it hasn't worked out, <laughs> but I don't think it's because of Darnell Mooney. But uh, I am still sort of leaning toward Elijah Moore just because the volume has been so great. And even though the Jets keep saying we're not going to do anything special to try to get him more opportunity, that those, those opportunities seem to have found their way to him anyway plus the way the Jets defense is negative game scripts seem to be a thing regularly for them so that means more chances to throw the football and uh, regardless of who it is if it's you know Zach Wilson or Mike White or Joe Flacco or Ken O'Brien or Chad Pennington I don't really care who the Jets quarterback is <laughs> they're throwing the ball to Elijah Moore and that is really all I care about so um there you go so either way I mean, you got he a, couple a good game receivers. with Joe Flacco he did have a good game with Joe Flacco um, <laughs> you know look Quarterback proof. I, say, say, say what you want about Joe Flacco. He at least is a veteran who has kind of been through a whole lot of things. So, uh, you know, playing behind a bad offensive line, uh, I'm sure he knows how to figure it out. Whereas, you know, Zach Wilson and Mike White eh, still need a little more seasoning in that area. So, there's one last game in week 11. It's Monday Night Football down in Tampa between the Giants and the Buccaneers. So, simple question. Saquon Barkley expected to be back on the field tonight for the G-Men. Over under 15 points for him. Which way are you going?
1: I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to take the over. I do not feel great about it, but I think he'll get (laughs) over it in a very ugly fashion. Like, I don't think he's going to have, you know, like a great game by any stretch. But I think like when we look at the box score, I could see something like six catches for like, I don't know, like 80 yards to, or, or like a total of like 90 total yards with like six catches mixed in, something like that. So I think he does most of his damage, though, through the air, not on the ground today.
2: I would concur with that, and I think he gets over, and I think it's because uh, because the PPR help that he gets catching the football out of the backfield. I mean, that's a, a thing that you have pointed out, that the Bucks. Struggle with defending uh, or pass-catching running backs. And if the Giants are playing from behind, which would not be a surprise, uh, then I I think you see Saquon catch the football. But I don't think the yardage numbers are going to be particularly great. I don't think it's going to – by the way, I don't think it's going to be Rondale Moore egregious. Uh, He had 11 (laughs) catches for 51 yards, which is just stupid. Um, He's the new Julian Edelman. He really is. He had 16 points uh, because he had 11 catches. That's that's just gross. Like he didn't even average five yards per catch. What are we doing here? Like <laughs> stop it. Uh, but I do think Saquon gets over fifteen tonight. All right. Uh, all right. So finish the sentence. If I was starting a Giants
1: wide receiver tonight, it would be blank. I, I've gone back and forth on this, but it would be Kadarius Tony. Uh, I, neither one of them, you know, Tony Galladay, any of the Giants receivers, really brings a safe floor. So I'm thinking about ceiling here. And I think Tony still has the highest upside of the Giants receivers. Uh, We've seen him have a game where he's gone off for over 180 yards this year. He could throw, too. This is something that they should be mixing more into their offense. I mean, we saw a video of him throwing like 60 yards from his knees. But I just think that he has the highest ceiling. So in a game where I don't feel great about any of them, I'll just take the upside play.
2: So, I mean, all of that makes absolute 100% sense. But I'm still going to go with Kenny Galladay just because... It just feels like time. And I know that that's not really great process. I know that's not great analysis, but, He has one game with more than 64 receiving yards. He had 116 against the Saints back in week four. He still doesn't have a touchdown yet this year. It has been just kind of a miserable, frustrating, borderline lost season for Kenny Galladay. So, uh, I don't know. This just feels like a situation where he finds a way to break out, where maybe Daniel Jones hits him downfield. Uh, He somehow gets behind the secondary. I I don't know what it is. There's, There's nothing about this Giants passing game that seems very predictable. Or very stable or very consistent, um, and so while all the signs point to Kadarius Tony getting a lot of short targets in space, to let him do his thing. Uh, maybe this just happens to be the Kenny Galladay night. That's all. The, like I, the <laughs> last,
1: the last time we saw the Giants play, their running backs and tight ends had more targets than their receivers. So. Take that for what you will.
2: It is. It is. And that was sort of why I asked the questions, because I don't really know what to do with their (laughs) wide receivers there. Uh, It has been a mess pretty much all year long. All right, uh, last one. Rob Gronkowski expected back for tonight. He's been dealing with some back issues for a while. So let's put the over-under at eight points for Gronk. Are you going higher or lower?
1: I'm going higher here, and this one was a lot easier for me than the Saquon Barkley one. Look, it's, it's Brady, it's Gronk, it's Monday night on national TV. Gronk is back. You know Tom Brady is going to be looking for him in the end zone. I think Gronk scores a touchdown today, and if he gets the six from the touchdown, I think he easily tops eight fantasy points.
2: I think that's fair, and I think I'll go over for that same reason, just because even if he doesn't get a lot of targets or a lot of catches, I think he gets one in the end zone. And then uh, once that's done, won't take a whole lot to get to eight points, so uh, I will put him uh, over the eight. Uh, you know, look, if he's healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top ten fantasy tight end for the rest of the year, partially because of how they use Same. him, partially because of the position, uh, but that's what it is. So uh, so we were talking during the break. This, this, this has the feeling of being kind of a closer game than we anticipated, but if that's the case, it probably won't be fun to watch, right?
1: No, and, and I think we're gonna get a lot of like Brady versus the Giant narratives, even though um <laughs> everyone who was on that Super Bowl team that beat Tom Brady both times has long retired and <laughs> and all the coaches are gone and everything, but we're still gonna get that narrative that Tom Brady the Giants have beat him twice in the Super Bowl <laughs> and all that.
2: You know, it'd be great for the Manning cast if they pulled out, like, David Tyree and Plaxico <laughs> Burris and, like, all these guys and just, like, just sit and reminisce about when they uh, when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I actually might watch the Manning cast uh, if something like that were going to happen. That would make it fun. Right? i have totally watch that. Absolutely. Ah. So in the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, if marbles aren't made of marble, why are they called marbles? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we will see you on Wednesday.